Here's what we heard in the office at one point in the last week from a fellow that we've known for about three years or so. I opened up the parking lot door and he came in and I sat down with him on the chairs just inside the entryway there. And here's what he said. He said, Pastor, can I talk to you? I just have to talk to somebody. I just want to talk to somebody. Every night I go to bed and I have such awful dreams. I have such terrible dreams. I have dreams that I'm going to die. I feel like I'm going to hurt myself. I have dreams about suicide. I dream about hurting myself. I wake up in the morning and I'm so afraid. I have awful fears that I'm going to die. I feel so alone and I don't know who to talk to. I wake up in the morning and I have this terrible pain that runs across me right here and I just don't know what to do. I feel so anxious. I worry all the time. I worry that I'm going to die. I don't know what to do. I'm so worried. Now, obviously, I don't, I don't remember every exact word that he said, but I guarantee you that that's close. And then he said, why won't Jesus help me? I pray to him all the time, but nothing ever changes. I keep praying to Jesus. I want Jesus to help me. And then after he'd said that, he got, he got right in my face. He was sitting next to me, and he, and he moved over, and his face was just like right there. And he said, I just want Jesus to help me. Why won't Jesus help me? I pray and I pray, but nothing ever changes. And I'm so scared. And I'm afraid all the time. And I'm afraid I'm going to hurt myself, and I don't want to hurt myself. And then he kind of turned away from me, and he said, Jesus, why don't you help me? I just want you to help me. Then he stopped, and he said, Pastor, I want you to pray for me. Will you pray for me? And of course I said yes. And I prayed. And then he prayed. And his prayer started out fairly quiet. But it built. And as it built, he sobbed. Jesus, I just need your help. Please help me. I need you to help me. I'm so scared. I don't want to die. I need you to help me. I just need you to help me. I don't know what to do. Please help me. In Jesus' name, I pray this. Amen. Now, I have to tell you that he was... He was really drunk. I've seen him drunk many times. He's come by here many times. 
We don't see him as often as we do some people, but we, we do see him. He's been to lunch a few times. Um, there was one day when, this was oh, a couple of years ago, he, he came by and he was drunk, and, and we had a similar kind of episode together. He wanted me to take him to the Alpha House downtown, so I did take him to Alpha House. And one of the things that was interesting was when, like, we went to the Alpha House and the door is locked. It's a, it's a drug rehab kind of care place, and you can go there, and you can go there drunk, and then they allow you to stay there and to, and to get dry. So we walked up to the place, but the door was locked. They don't just let you walk in. You have to, you know, things have to, to be unlocked to let us in. So there were four or five other people standing out there in, in front of the place. And as we walked up, we'd just been there just for 10 seconds or so. And almost immediately, one of these guys that was standing there challenged me to a fight. So I beat the snot. No. <laughs> What really happened, and this is true, what really happened, and this is true, is that the fellow that I took down there stepped in between me and that fellow. And he said, hey, leave him alone. He's with me. He's a pastor. He's here to help us. And so the guy left me alone. Well, he grabbed the bottle that he had been drinking out here the other day, and, and it was one of those Powerade bottles, but in it was something that looked like Coke, and I'm sure that it was, you know, it was some kind of cola probably mixed with what he usually, drunk, what he usually drinks. And the guys on the street uh, tell us that he typically drinks rubbing alcohol. And so he probably had rubbing alcohol and Coke mixed in this bottle, and he kept drinking on that during the time that, that we were together. But he, he grabbed his bottle in a backpack and... And he left and staggered off through the door. And I, w- I got up and I went into Hope's office, who'd s- been sitting there hearing the whole thing. And, and Hope says, soon I walked in, Hope said, that is so sad. And I agreed. You know, on, on Thursday, when this friend was here, he was drunk enough that there's not much chance that he would remember everything about coming here. But I'm going to remember. I'm going to remember the day that someone came in here begging Jesus to help him. And I'm going to remember how badly that I wanted Jesus to help him. One of the things that happened was that when he started to pray, he bowed his head and kind of looked a bit towards the doors, and I just started staring at him. And inside, in my head, I just kept saying, Jesus, help him. Lord, bless him. Bless him, God. Help this this guy. Bless him. Give him your power. Help him to get over this. Help him to not feel like he wants to hurt himself. Help him get through this, God. Because I really want God to help him. And because because God can. And so when I was saying that, I was saying that with absolute faith. Like I found myself as I was as I was 
saying this inside my head. I was thinking to myself, I believe this. I believe this, Jesus. I, can, I believe that you can help this guy. Please help him because I believe that this is possible. Now, I have to admit, I didn't see change right then. I didn't. I think it's likely that he's going to have to be at least a bit sober before he can understand what Jesus has done for him, what Jesus wants him to do. But because of what Jesus has done, because we have faith in him, we need to keep praying for guys like the one that came in on Thursday. And we need to keep saying, Lord Jesus, help him. God, please help him. Because I believe that God is going to answer that prayer. I believe that God is totally capable of answering that prayer. And not just mine, of course, but his. And that's what brings us to Easter. Because even if things don't happen with our friend like we want them to happen, and maybe it will be a while, maybe it won't happen. I don't know. But it doesn't mean that God isn't there or that he's not capable of doing something so that his will can be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's because Jesus was raised from the dead. He was dead. And God raised him up. And it's the resurrection that proclaims this truth about the possibility of real change. And it's the resurrection that brings with it the power to enact the kind of change that God wants to take place in people's lives. I want you to listen to these words from Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Starts out the book, and Paul says, A servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, and set apart for the gospel of God. The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, regarding his son, who as to his human nature was a descendant of David, and who the spirit, through the spirit of holiness, and listen to these words, who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead. The resurrection declared something about Jesus. It declared that he is Jesus Christ, our Lord. And that's what this fellow needs to hear. That's what he needs to understand. And Paul says that the power of the resurrection communicates to people like that and to people like us what God has done in Jesus. And the power for authentic, profound change is there in that proclamation. There's another passage that we know pretty well. We usually read it for a different reason. Romans chapter 6, verse 3 and following. Usually we read this because it talks about baptism. And it does. And it's beautiful that it does. But today I want to read it for another reason. Listen to this. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him 
through baptism into death. Why? Why are we baptized into the death of Jesus? Paul says, it's like this is just so beautiful. We were baptized into his death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Just as Christ was raised from the dead, we have a chance to live a new life. He says, if we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. And that's what my friend needs. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead... He cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. And when he says death no longer has mastery over him, he means nothing death-like. No sin, no pain, no agony, no frustration, no abuse, no addiction. Nothing death-like has power over him. And because it had no power over him, it has no power over us. And it can have no power over my friend. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. And that's what I want for my friend. And Jesus says that that's possible for all of us because he rose from the dead. And in that there is power for new life.